Happy Homecoming Day, All Saints. That's where we all are, home, still. Um, I'd really rather be with you all, but this is a special time. And instead of standing in your pulpit, I get to invite you um, into my home, into my office. And in this different context, I just want you to be ready for a different kind of sermon. There's no preaching gown. There's no stole. I'm just here at my desk, and I want to share with you a story, a story about a really difficult passage on this summer uh, Sunday, one that has so much to do with the ancient world, the world of Jesus, and one that has an incredible amount to do with our world, the world we inhabit right now. And so I want to begin telling you this story, um, not by reading you something from the text that was already read today, but just by sharing with you a longtime favorite verse of mine from a different part of the New Testament. This might in some ways be considered my own life verse. Some of you might have grown up in traditions where you have life verses. It's Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. By the time we finish today's story, I think it'll be clear why I wanted to share that verse with you. And now to the difficult passage. Indeed, this is a Sunday where a lot of my friends who are clergy don't even like to preach because there's two really difficult parts of a long text. The first part of uh, the reading for today was a discussion between Jesus and his disciples about a topic that seems so strange to us, defilement. What defiles a person? And at the end of this theological argument, Jesus basically says, hey, it's, it's not what you put into your body that defiles you. It is what comes out. And it's after this theological conversation on defilement that Jesus and his friends find themselves on a journey. And they are in the northern part of Israel, in an area where Jews often don't go, a border land uh, between Israel and the, the next region. And so it's in this region of Tyre and Sidon that this next half of the text takes place. And this is the part that's even harder to preach about or share about than defilement. It's the time Jesus was really mean to a woman and calls her a dog. I, I know people who literally will do anything to avoid preaching on this text, because how in the world do we explain this? Jesus, who's so loving and, and so welcoming, and yet here we have this text where Jesus is, is rude um, 
to, to this woman who approaches him and asks him for a favor. Well, in order to understand what's happening in the dog passage, it's really important to return for just a moment to this part about defilement, the part that seems so distant from us, the part that we think, oh, you know, why does the lectionary even include that as an option in this reading? Well, the word, word defilement is fairly simple word, actually. It, it just means clean and unclean. Um, Christians, we tend to think that our faith is not about this. As a matter of fact, that Christianity puts to rest this idea of clean and unclean. And so we tend to think of it as unimportant. But it was very important in the ancient world. And it was really about dividing the world into binaries, into sort of categories. Eat this food, don't eat this food. Associate with these people, don't associate with these people. Go to this place of worship, don't go to this place of worship. And in, that, in the time of Jesus and um, the ancient world more generally, these kinds of categories existed um, people believed at the behest of the gods. And that is the gods actually put some things into categories that were clean and put other things into categories that were unclean. And so defilement is really a way of talking about these sorts of binaries, what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do, who you're supposed to hang out with and who you're not supposed to hang out with. And it's more than just what people decide, but instead it really is a divine prerogative. Now you may have heard at some point in time that um, around the time of Jesus, a prayer developed um, in some parts of Jewish community, and it's a prayer of three blessings. And Jewish men were directed to pray, and these are this is the prayer. Uh, Pray this prayer daily. Blessed art thou who didst not make me a Gentile. Blessed art thou who did not make me a woman. Blessed art thou who did not make me among the uneducated. And in effect, this is a prayer about defilement. Is that a Jewish man would get up and he would pray that he was grateful that he had not been put into the category of that which is unclean. And unclean things, Gentiles, women, and this strange word, uneducated. Jews didn't make this up. About the same time, uh, the Greeks, too, divided up the world. Uh, even earlier than this Jewish prayer exists, we have record of the philosopher Thales, about the year 600, uh, writing out three gratitudes. And his three gratitudes were that he was grateful to have been born human and not a brute, that he was grateful to have been born a man and not a woman, that he was grateful to have been born a Greek and not a barbarian. And you can see that this kind of division is just commonplace in the ancient world. And that the Jews had basically taken divisions that already existed, divisions of gender, ethnicity, 
and status. And they took those things and translated them into their own liturgical life and interpreted some aspects of their own tradition through it. Blessed art thou who has not made me a woman, who has not made me a Gentile, and who has not made me among the uneducated. Now, the, in this list of these, these three things, which are remarkably similar, um, the one about status is in, in some ways the most interesting. Because the way it's translated in the early Jewish prayer is a bit slippery. Blessed art thou who has not made me among the uneducated. Well, that word means either kind of hick, somebody who has no status, and it's sometimes translated as slave, or other times it's translated as bore, which means beast or dog. And so this word just means thanks that you've made me a human being and not either a slave, who clearly is not human, or a dog. And those words could be used interchangeably. Um, indeed, that's the same thing in Greek. Slaves in ancient Greek society were considered to be beasts, dogs. You still heard this a little bit you know, in Southern culture in the 19th century, when enslaved people were seen to be beasts of burden. And so that's what this is all about, this defilement business, is that there are these boundaries between these binaries. That, and it was better to be on one side of the binary, to be a Jew, to be a male, and to be free or not a beast, not a slave, and that everything on the other side of the binary, to be a woman, to be a Gentile, to be a dog, or to be an enslaved person, that, that was unclean. That was a defilement. And the same in the Greek world, just a slightly different set of who was on what line. Now with this in mind, it begins to make sense of the story about the woman and Tyre and Sidon. And so just listen to this again. Jesus left that place where they had had this theological argument about defilement and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. Jesus ignored her. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting at us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's answering the disciples. And so he's telling them, in effect, what they expect to hear. I was only sent to you, to you all, so let's not worry about her. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me, he answered. It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Clearly implying that the woman is a dog. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs from, that fall from their master's table. And here you see that interesting allusion to dogs and slavery. The idea that somehow slaves have masters, dogs have masters. You can kind of get the, the way that this worked in the ancient world. And then Jesus answered her, 
Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now I hope you see something about this text that you might not have seen before. This woman is all three. She's a woman, she's a Gentile, and she's a dog. She is as unclean as one can get in the world of Jesus. She, she, her whole being flies against that three blessing prayer that was contemporary at Jesus' own time in Judaism. And on top of it, she's also an affront to the larger Greek and Roman culture. She's a she, she's a barbarian, and she's a person of no status. Effectively, a dog. And that's what I think is happening here in this text. I think that Jesus is, a, is essentially performing what is the commonplace in their culture. Is that Jesus is taking on those binaries. And he's treating this woman, the triple unclean woman in the way that would be expected, but even, in effect, more rudely. And by doing that, he's showing the disciples how horrible this is to categorize a human being as triply unclean. And that's what happens next. The most shocking thing that Jesus does is not really to show how unclean she is. The disciples would know that, but they might have been a bit surprised to see it from Jesus since he's already broken so many rules. But yet Jesus then heals her daughter. And he heals her daughter in a way that is really unique and amazing um, in the New Testament. That daughter doesn't even have to show up and touch him. He doesn't speak to that daughter directly. He does, he's not in the same room with that daughter. But instead, he heals her essentially remotely. He heals her, in effect, over Zoom. And he praises the faith of this triply unclean woman. And so I think that this is a text that performs in one way, Jesus acting out the worst boundaries in his society and then taking them down. And he's making a point. He's putting on a show for the disciples. He's illustrating his own point that the blessings are wrong. That putting people into categories of clean and unclean, that those who are defiled and those who are acceptable, that that's wicked. And that, of course, brings us back to my favorite verse. 
For there are no longer Jew nor Greek. There is no longer male nor female. There is no longer slave nor free. Galatians was actually written before the Gospel of Matthew. Galatians is one of the oldest texts in the New Testament. In a recent book, Stephen Patterson, a New Testament scholar in Oregon, made a remarkable case. He argues that that text, Galatians 3.28, there is no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one. He argues that that text is actually the first and most ancient creed of Christianity. That Paul didn't write those words. That Paul was borrowing them from a liturgy. And the liturgy in which they would have been used as Patterson reconstructs early Christian history is that they would have been used at baptism. And so when you were brought into the Christian community, the first creed, one that Patterson argues has been long forgotten by the church, but nevertheless Patterson insists is historically the truth of the matter. The first creed that would have been said over you was not Jesus is Lord or that God exists as three in one or that Jesus is human and divine. All of that stuff comes later. The first creed was, for you are all children of God in the Spirit. There is no more Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave nor free. There is no longer male nor female, for you are all one in the Spirit. And that was it. That was the very meaning of Christianity. The first creed in Christianity was not about God. It was about us. It was about taking down the boundaries that human beings put up and then declared to be divine, that divided people into categories of clean and unclean, of that which was defiled and that which was acceptable. When I encountered this argument when I read the book in which Patterson makes this case. I had never heard this, despite having a PhD in church history, and it actually turned my whole imagination about the early church upside down. I think he's right. And I think that this story in the New Testament is actually about that creed. I think that what is happening, why Matthew tells this story, is that he's telling the story of the day that Jesus introduced the very idea that he had come into the world to abolish these boundaries and to help us all live out the deepest truth that we are all one in God, one in God's spirit, that there is no longer 
Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female. We are all created in the oneness of Christ. And that has everything to do with the world in which Jesus lived, a world where some Jews, you know, did what some Christians do today. And that is we take cultural norms about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, the people we like and the people we don't like. And we turn those into theology. And we say that, hey, God made it this way. That, that's just unclean. That, of course, is what, um, if you're white, our ancestors did with race. White people clean, black people unclean. We do it with liturgy and ritual. Oh, you know, thank God you've made me an Episcopalian and not a Southern Baptist. And we do it with things that we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. It's okay, we can drink, but hey, you know, don't do this. And so the human drama goes on, putting up walls, dividing things into clean and unclean, treating people like dogs who live on the other side of the boundary. And yet that's not what Jesus enacted. Jesus went into a situation and he pointed out by his own actions how horrible it is when we do that to other people, when we put people into categories of gender, ethnicity, and status, and we treat them as less than human. He said, Ugh, never mind. And then when he understood that his disciples got it, he turned the tables on them. And he looked at the woman who was at his feet and said, you have great faith. Your daughter is healed. And the disciples must have been so shocked. Because all of the boundaries came down. And so I think that's what this text is. I think it's a performance of the first creed, the forgotten creed the one that was said over the baptism of our very first ancestors. Welcome to a whole new world. Welcome to the dream of God, where we are all one in the spirit, not divided up into Jew and Greek, not divided up into slave and free, not divided up into male and female, one in the spirit. Welcome home.